Our guests this week are Jason and Peely Urisi. They're active real estate syndicators and investors. In 2016, they founded Urusi Holdings, a multifamily investment firm currently with over 800 units under management. The firm repositions properties through operational efficiencies, moderate to extensive renovations, and complete rebranding. Jason and Peely also host The Jason and Peely Project, a YouTube channel and podcast that sets the foundation for mental fortitude, growing wealth, and improving health by providing actionable steps and avoiding missteps. Their monthly meetup, the New Jersey Multifamily Foundation Club, has over 2,000 members and focuses on real estate syndication. On this episode, we talk to Jason and Peely about their journey into multifamily syndication after pursuing a variety of real estate investment strategies, from flipping to wholesaling to small multifamily to even moving entire houses. We talk about what led them to shift gears and focus on apartment syndication, and we spend a lot of time talking about building a mindset that will allow you to start taking action on your goals today. I'm Brittany. And I'm Neil. And this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we get to this week's show, we'd like to make you aware of something. We are self-storage investors. We buy existing self-storage facilities and vacant buildings that can be converted to self-storage in the Sun Belt. We buy them with cash and some with loans, and we use private lenders who become equity partners in our deals. These equity partners share in the cash flow and the profits when we sell. When we find a deal that we are considering, we call the equity partners and offer them a share of the ownership secured by the property. So if you've ever driven by a self-storage facility and thought, I wonder who owns those things, and you have any interest in learning more about the storage business, we'd love to chat with you. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash storage. That's roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash S-T-O-R-A-G-E and set up a time to chat. We look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Peely and Jason Yarusi, welcome to the road to family freedom. Thank you. How you doing? So doing, hard to be here. Doing great. You've got this beautiful, for, for our listeners that are just listening on audio, they have this gorgeous picture of um, what I'm assuming is Hawaii behind them, which is just, you know, right now, really <laughs> hard to, really hard to watch. <laughs> just a picture. We are actually in New Jersey right now. Yes. <laughs> that often. I put we, a lot of bright lights on during the uh, winter time. Yeah. People. Yeah. But yeah, we can, yeah. but we can pretend. So you're you're a, a very fit couple from New Jersey, and you you've been uh, you've been in real estate since at least 2016 with Yerusi Holdings. But I want to g- turn the clock back a little bit and talk about that first uh, investment property that you guys ever bought. Sure. Ooh, would it be in large multifamily or all the way back to the first? Flip? Let's do let's do both. Actually, let's start with your sure. very first investment property, and then we'll talk about your first uh, multifamily. So we got into real estate in like 2013. I got my real estate license while I was pregnant and we just started looking for properties and Jason got in contact with an agent who brought us our first property, right? So Union Beach. the story that really led to that is so Peely and I um, met working in New York City. It took her about 13 years to take me seriously and and, <laughs> and start. So we started uh, being a couple. But throughout that time, worked in a lot of different capacities. Um, you know, I had a restaurant, a brewery. We, we met in nightlife. So we were working there. And Hurricane Sandy happened here in New Jersey. My father has this niche construction business. He'll call it niche. But he lives and moves buildings. He's been doing that for almost 40-something years. And that business just exploded at the time. It's still going strong from Hurricane Sandy work. People need to move and lift their house to make it flood compliant, FEMA compliant, hopefully not get impacted again in the future. And so 
my brother who was working for me or with me at the time in the city and Pili, we all moved out to New Jersey mm-hmm. to embark on this point. Now we were, Luke was our six-year-old, was in the yeah. process, Pili was pregnant and we were so busy with construction. Just imagine if there was an extra hour in a day, an extra day in a week, we could have used it, right? So, and that's one thing we learned, just all the things we were doing prior is that nothing was coming in, no money was coming in if we weren't actively doing something. And that becomes a point here. Okay, we're starting a family, we come out here and we're busier than ever, we're having less time than we did before. So let's try real estate. Yes. And it always been something in our mind, but it was that first step to take. Now, where we went off the rails is that we said, okay, we wanna find a way to really control our time and get our time back. And then we started going into flipping, wholesaling, Airbnb, all, all these things that now created another job on top of the job that we had too much to do with already. And I'm laughing because normally when you hear about new flippers, they, they like find a property to renovate and it's usually like lipstick on a pig. They go in, they fix it up a little bit, they put it back on market. No, for us, we actually used what we knew how to do, which was how to lift home so we could actually mm-hmm. get into properties at a good price because we could put so much value into a property. So this first property that we got a, a hold of was in Union Beach, which is a town in uh, Monmouth County, which we did a lot of work in back when we were preparing homes for Hurricane Sandy. So we found this property. It was brought to us by an agent and we took the property and the idea was to take the property, lift it up not once, but twice to add a new garage, take it above the flood zone line and then add another story and then add and had the original house on that, basically creating a three-story house out of a Cape Cod. Out of a Cape. And so we did that. And it's, if you have ever done anything that, that comes down to, you know, different guidelines and construction, it becomes a lot of things that are outside your control. So the process, although we could get the work done quick, process like permitting, utility shuttles, all these other things that go into when you're dealing with as things after a storm took forever. So the project almost took us to, for a point of a year, yeah. able to capitalize and make money. But again, there's only so many that you can do when you're putting so much out. And we realized that we we're slowly slipping away on losing more time, right? So we, Peely had actually met someone um, at a meeting who was who was buying rentals out of state and buying them in distress, get them fixed up, helping with construction company and, and a management turnkey. company. And basically putting them together. We said, well, okay, let's find properties. This looks like something where we could use what we know how to do best and use our allocation of skills managing to find things that wouldn't have our hands there. Because we knew if it was in New Jersey, and that was our first start, that we would find ways to get our hands involved and make it probably take longer. Although, because we we come from, or at least I do, an Italian family where we do it best always, right? So even if it takes t- never 27 years to do it, you know? One, one of our best mentors back when we were flipping homes told us, put the hammer down. Just put the hammer down. You should be managing these properties, managing it, not getting, like, it's good to get dirty. It's good to know what you're doing, but get put the hammer down because there's so many other things. So we started to make processes for our flipping business. So Going back into the turnkey process, we didn't want to do turnkey. So we told this provider, okay, will you bring us the deal? We'll purchase the property you put, basically wholesale us the deal. Okay, now you're going to manage the construction. We'll pay for the construction, but we want a, we want a discount. Put whatever fee you need to, as long as the numbers still work out. Okay, great. Okay, now we want you to manage the property, but again, again, we want a discount because we're basically funding everything. So we got the property at a discount and comparatively, and we made 
a ton of money with these two duplexes that we got in Indiana. Yeah, we started doing small properties, two and three units, and it just occurred to us like a light bulb went off. Okay, we start you know having this part where we're getting in these projects, we're able to reposition them, force the value up, and then we're having rent show up. And we looked at it like, wow, this could be a great thing to scale. And then the next thing was, wow, it would take a lot to try and do this just like anything else to buy a hundred duplexes or whatever. So what could be something that could be comparable? And we found large apartment investing. Uh, I'm going to, you found large apartment. Cause remember I was pregnant with our second child and Jason comes up to me. He's like, I have this great idea. And you know how we're doing all these duplexes. What if we did a 50 unit building, hundred unit building, my mind like exploded. I'm like, we're about to have our next child. Our flipping and wholesaling business was scaling up. We had the two duplex. Actually, we had multiple duplexes at that point. And we just had so many balls up in the air. And Jason's like, large multifamily. What do you think? I was like, okay. The well, okay. lesson learned there is you always give your wife credit and try not to take away from her and then let her correct it for you and say, I came up with it because then that's fine. But no, we did. We had that talk and it just, we started finding people who were really doing it well and just saying, well, what are they doing? Because you you would never think about this and you'd usually assume it's some larger company or some point who's a, a REIT that would be doing this. And we found other people who were just doing it successfully, started finding the right mentors, asking the right questions, really diving in and changing our focus from real estate, which is this, you know, wide shine shiny object out there that you could do 5,000 things to saying, we're going to focus just on large multifamily. And so we sold our property, sold, sold the ones we had, Mm -hmm. dove all in. And it took us about maybe eight months, but in the middle of 2017, we brought our first one, which is a 94 unit. And that's led us to now, I think we've done about 10 syndications since. Yep. And right now, between Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, um, and we're a, a small partner on one in Texas. Gotcha. Okay. So there's lots to unpack there. I want to, you know, for our listeners, they're used to sort of getting an idea of how much it, how much it costs you to get into that first deal. Um, so first I want to go back to the, the, the two duplexes. Um, what was the, you recall what the purchase price was, how much you had to pay? They, the they were small and distressed. So we were probably all in about 40, 50 K or 45 K. We were all said and done buying them for 25, putting about 10 in there. And then since it was two sides, we we're renting for like 750, 800 a side and they were paying utilities. So you look at those, you know, the, those numbers they are like, Whoa, this is incredible. Right. And so you jump in, we're able to do it, but the, the repeat and roll process you didn't have that scalability, right? You didn't have that ability to to look at it like a business, right? Because everything is, um, you know, one tenant moves out and fifty percent occupied. Whereas if you have a ninety four unit building, one tenant moves out, you're now less than a percent, you know, basically vacant. So it's a whole different story. And then the great thing is, when we exited those properties, it so happened that the guy that we were working with called us and was like, well, do you want to keep on scaling? Do you want to keep on build, buying buildings? Because I thought that was your idea. I was like, actually, no, we're getting into something different. He was like, okay, I'll buy them back from you. <laughs> we ended up making about $10,000 yeah. from him. Yeah, He was just like, I'll take them back. I will pay you premium for it. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was easy. So we mm-hmm. exited those properties within the year of holding them. Oh, so you and only held them for about a year. Yeah, I think we acted, we were right over a year. We're 14, 14 months, 13, 14 months. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, that is the thing that a lot of people, you know, when they first get into real estate, you're hearing people, you know, especially if we're in the bigger, bigger pockets era, you know, it's small multifamily, you start in small multifamily and you, you know, you get up to a hundred units. Well, that takes a while. (laughs) 
If you're buying them onesie twosie at a time, uh, and you know, if you're cash flowing, you know, hundred dollars a door, it's going to take you a hundred units just to get up to a hundred thousand dollars in a year, Mm -hmm. which is, is really in, in this day and age with everything is a, a fairly modest living. I mean, it's nothing to sniff at. And so what was it that led you to go, all right, I got to skip, you know, if we're going to do this, I got to do it a lot bigger. Just viability of, of knowing it. Right. And yeah. I think the mindset of just saying, okay, we could do 20 units. Right. But what does 20 units gain us? Not too much. We, we can't hire a staff that could be afforded by the property. The things we do on, on, on it will be looked at through a different light, the larger property with the lender. We could find more professional management companies. And just the more we looked into it, the larger we go, the more that we could treat it like a business. And we had come from you know, we we ran a bar at one point that that um, was the largest outdoor restaurant in New York City. So it, it started as like a shell, and we had grown it twenty five times. So we saw how much easier it got the bigger you were because you have so many things that you could put in process, and that process could really carry forward. Now, like the same thing too. If you don't have the right processes, it can it can completely just explode on you. But if you have, you know, if I have a four unit and I change out toilets is not going to have a huge effect on me, but I may be able to do that across a hundred unit property, cut down the water bill 20%, save hundreds of thousands of dollars. And also based on that savings through whatever cap rate it could sell at, you know, improve the value exponentially. And then like money wise, we're making money wholesaling and flipping. I mean, even when we decided to sell that business, we were still getting, our marketing was so good. We were still getting calls. (laughs) Remember our last deal, did we make like 30 on that last deal? I can't even remember because I was just like, okay, well, it's just marketing coming in. Let's just give it to realtors. Let's just wholesale them. Let's just get rid of them. And then with the small, the small multifamilies, like push comes to shove, we made like a 25% ROI with the sale and everything. So those were great companies, but we weren't good at them because we were good at managing and large multifamily allows us to use our strong point. We're good at managing. We don't, we're not good at like being there and having to like get dirty because we won't stop getting dirty. (laughs) We won't like, we won't leverage people. So large multifamily, having that mindset shift into really like sitting down in that right place in the bus, like really leveraging the people that can do it right, creating an amazing team. I mean, that's the mindset shift that we needed to have and to realize that this is where our future was lay. Well, and it's it's so hard, to, you know, when you're starting out in real estate, it's often a very solitary endeavor. You know, you're, you're like you said, you're kind of swinging, you know, you want to swing the hammer, you want to do it yourself. And once you scale up into commercial real estate, you're really, it's a team sport now without, you know, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to just do it all on your own. Uh, I don't know many people that are successfully managing, you know, hundred unit apartment buildings and putting the guild together and, uh, you know, all that, all themselves without, uh, driving themselves to an early grave. (laughs) What did that first 93, so the 94 unit look like, how did you, how did you find it? What was the purchase price and things like that? Sure. So we found it actually through our management connection. And so the property management company we we're working with there knew of a property that the um, owner had passed away and the kids who were actually, the owner was like 90 and the kids were actually in their fifties. Um, we had offered, they wanted 3.2 million. We had offered 2.1 just based on what it was actually worth. Um, and they quickly countered at the asking price. So there wasn't a deal there. Lo and behold, you know, five, six months go by. 
people had offered that same thing, offered maybe two, four, two, five, whatever was that number there. And the, the sellers had in their mind, you know, 3.2, wherever they got that number, who knows. On that front, we went back and said, what did happen to this property? Oh, well, it hadn't traded. So we went back in there and raised our price just ever so slightly, maybe $50,000. And within hours, we had a counter back at 2.6 million. And that allowed us to go back and go through a, you know, a couple of weeks of negotiation. We brought it for 2.3 million back in 2017. It's great property. It, the buildings were great. The buildings were in great shape. It just was being managed horribly. And so we were able to put a lot of efficiencies in there. And we actually um, sold that property in January. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, the a lot of the mindset shift that people struggle with is just the bigger numbers. You know, yeah. you're suddenly, you know, people are thinking, well, you know, I've got I've got $100,000 in the bank. You know, if I put 20% down, that means I can buy a $400,000 property. And now suddenly, you know, you're talking $2.6 million. How did you deal with your own limiting beliefs around that? At first, honestly, I didn't because I had so many limiting beliefs concerning money. I, d- I couldn't think in the millions. That's That was one of the things that made me like pause. I was just like, do we really, really want to get into this? What happens if we fail? What happens with blah, 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 blah. Mindset, 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 negative, negative, negative. Education. Learning how to do it. That's That's what got me into the right mindset. I think once we understood why a larger property afforded more possibilities, it wasn't so much something that was holding us back anymore. It was just understanding, okay, what are the steps to take and have those steps prepared before we went into it. Many times people always look at the goal or the destination as the point that is, is you know, it's so scary. But if you focus on the process and focus on really paying attention to what it takes to get there, it becomes manageable because now you're chunking actual steps, right? So you don't just jump to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. But if you do figure out, okay, um, what do I need? Well, maybe I need the right gear, the right boots, you know, guide. You start doing that and you say, okay, you know, start scheduling a plan. What it's going to take? What were the steps? What would that training look like? Now it can become real. But you, but if you just say, you know, I want to climb to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, you'll never do it because you're, you're so scared by the thought of being on the top of this, of this mountain. I think that's such a great point. And I hammer on this a lot on this show. If you've listened, I'm sorry, I'm going to as a broken record is the the idea of starting small, you know, I mean, you can have that big goal, but don't expect, you know, I mean, I know Jason, you're, you're a heavy runner and I've no, I know you've rid, run hundred mile ultra marathons, correct? Correct. Okay. You didn't wake up one day and decide, all right, tomorrow I'm going to run hundred miles. And if you've been sitting on a couch for the last 10 years, you know, you probably didn't wake up tomorrow and run a mile. I mean, maybe. And it's that idea of, of, not making something, I mean, you can make a big goal, but give yourself a tiny little thing that you can do that's not going to scare your monkey brain so bad that you're going to go, oh, I'm just going to stay on the couch. Wake up and go, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to walk for one minute. Yes. And then tomorrow I'm going to walk for two minutes and then three. And then, you know, you get up to 30 and you are, right, I'm going I'm to run for a minute, you know, and, and just work up to that. I'm a, a huge proponent in that. I mean, some people call it the Kaizen method, you know, whatever. Oh, whatever method it is, it is we use the same broken record because we say the same thing. <laughs> you take, you, you have those actionable steps and you chunk them out. You go for a walk, you go for a 10 minute walk, you go for, you go around your block. Maybe you go around two blocks, maybe then three, maybe try for a mile. Then, hey, look, I'm actually jogging. Now I'm running. Oh, my knees hurt a little bit. Maybe I'll walk today. Like, listen to your body when it comes to fitness. It's the same thing when it comes to scaling into any sort of real estate or any sort of business. Learn how to do it 
and then take those incremental steps to really get into it. Yeah. And don't expect just like, you know, if you're trying to get fit that you can get fit by going to the gym for eight hours uh, in one day, once a month, it's mm-hmm. more, you, you're going to have better, better benefit from doing five minutes for 30 days in a row than you will from trying to just do it all in one day. Uh, it just doesn't yes. work that way. In those, I mean, you had a lot of early days, you had a lot of transitions, but do you feel like there were any um, failures or big lessons learned that you went through or, and, and how do you think you could have avoided those in the first place? You know, the, you have to have failures and that goes back to the perfect plan. You know, idea is everybody assumes things are going to happen perfectly every day. And so you'll never get started until you have that perfect plan, but you, you, you don't know the right question until sometimes things pop up. Right. And so you get better by understanding, okay, better asks and better questions and having better answers from those better questions. Right. Cause if I can't ask the right question of someone, maybe they have the answer, but if I'm not asking them for, for that answer, then they're not gonna be able to help me. So I mean, we, we had all kinds of things. Um, we had, you know, uh, electrical lines that that blew up underneath that took eight units down for for a time being. We had shootings that it wasn't even a dangerous neighborhood on, on neighboring properties that scared our tenants um, that we went in there in part. Um, so, you, I, you know, you can always look at, okay, what could we have done differently? But at that time, probably nothing for those things. You know, there was something that the electrical shouldn't have gone. It was something that came from the, the local um, electric company in the city. You know, it was a, it was a problem on them, right? But we had to understand how do we focus with making sure the tenants are taken care of, making sure everything's safe with the tenants and taken care of there. And that's by having, you know, the right thoughts. So, you know, for the electric, we had the right property management company that was able to have the right ideas and answers and the right team to be able to get this resolved quickly. So the tenants wouldn't be out for long. For the shootings, you know, we actually made connections in um, in the city through to a detective who there who actually did a stakeout and solved some of these problems. So just thinking outside the box, how could we circumvent this? Because you're not always, sometimes the, the one problem will take a lot of your time, but you'll never see it again. But for that time being, you have to focus on it. So you may have something like that where you have to do a stakeout through a, through a vacant unit. Well, I'll probably never have to do that again. Hopefully not. But again, like you spend a lot of time figuring out one out there. So it's a lesson learned, like, okay, we can find a solution. And then you use that going forward there of, okay, we figured that out. So when the next thing pops up, how do we figure that out? So for me, and this is another mindset shift, <laughs> I've grown up trying to avoid failure, but then you avoid life, really. So why avoid failure? What, one of the greatest things I've learned from Jason is that he doesn't try to avoid failure. So he tries his best to win. And if you don't win, you only lose if you don't get up. You only fail if you don't try again. You only fail if you don't make the decision to do whatever the next step is. You need to make a decision. You need to take the responsibility for your life, for your business, for your health, for whatever it is you're trying to up level and not avoid the failure, but make the decision because not making the decision is the failure. Well, and so many people will will try to wait until everything is perfect in order to take action before they, you know, they'll try to know everything. You will never know everything. You're better off taking the action and screwing up. And, you know, the, the goal is to just do it such that you don't screw up so bad that you just destroy your life and you never, you know, but if you can do it small and start small, buy a duplex instead of a $94 million, 94 unit apartment building right from the start, you're going to learn and you're going to learn more by doing than you will ever do by listening to this podcast or reading a book or talking to a mentor once a month. Yeah, absolutely. So 
on that 94 unit, did you syndicate that deal? We did. Yes. Yeah, we syndicated and we we had actually built a network. You know, we we born and raised um, on the East Coast, you know, right outside New York City, lived in New York City for a while. So we just went and really were talking to our network. And a lot of it was just about educating them on other options prior to finding deals and what we were doing. And just they knew our track record, what we had done in other businesses. So we were able to put that deal together. It wasn't a huge raise, but, you know, we probably did it not very long, you know, a day or two, just because we had already wow. set it all up. So it wasn't like we were, oh, I found a deal that we raised money. We had already created the raise prior to doing that in a way of just seeing who wanted to see opportunities like this when they came up. Yeah. So what came first, the investors or the deal? Investors, investors always. always. So you had, you had started building relationships with those investors and sort of talking about, yeah. hey, this is what we're looking for. And when it comes across our desk, this is probably what we're going to present to you. Yeah, I just like tenants, I don't want to pitch you, I want to help you. So if if you know you may be into stocks and bonds, maybe you want short-term returns, maybe you want to do hard money, you maybe you want um something that's local, right? So I don't want to bring you a deal that's a 94 unit deal that's a thousand miles away. I'd rather have a conversation with you, see how this can potentially help you. Are you looking for tax advantages, cash flow to, you know, uh, depreciation, whatever may be portfolio diversification, understand what kind of uh, capital you're looking to put to work, because then that helps me understand how much I can raise. Because I don't want to go out there and find a deal and blindly hope I can raise X X million dollars without ever having those conversations, because then I need your money. And I never want to be in that position. I want to be in a, a, we really talk to want to help people and not put them in a position like we need an answer today. That's never going to come from us. Exactly. You never know who needs your help unless you ask them, unless you have those conversations. We were still flipping and wholesaling deals when we got this first property under contract and, uh, and closed on it. So we were part of this huge mastermind and we we're like, we're going to, we were going to give everybody like the secret sauce to large multifamily. So we were supposed to give an ad, uh, ask and a give. So our give was our first deal. So we told everybody about this first deal, how we closed it, how all this stuff happened. And we we're so excited. So one of the mentors raised his hands. He, he flips like 300 some houses a year. He raised his hand. She was like, so why didn't I get the phone call? I was like, yeah, Oh, so we hadn't even tapped that source. We were, I was like, wow, boom, you need to open your mouth and just have these conversations and let people know what you're doing. You're not, again, you're not pitching them. You're seeing who you can help because now that, that mentor of ours has been in about two or three of our deals. And another one, we actually, another mentor of ours back in our flipping days, we actually just partnered with him on our last deal. So it's been an amazing journey because we open our mouth and we talk to people. Two really important points there. And if you are listening, you you owe it to yourself to rewind. Um, One is don't be shy about what you're doing. Tell everybody, tell everybody, you know, we buy, you know, we buy apartment buildings and, you know, we bring on, uh, we bring on investors who share in, in the cash flow and the upside. Uh, And then second, don't think of what you're doing as asking people for money. You're, you're, you know, this is a better opportunity than most people get in the stock market, you know? And, and like you said, your friend was like, why didn't I get the phone call? And you're like, well, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I'm shy and I didn't want to ask you for money. You know, no, you're, you're presenting them an opportunity to make money. Yes. So. You do not raise money. I don't like that term raising money. You don't raise money. You don't raise capital. You provide people with opportunity. Gotcha. And our, you know, the, the thinking I always go with is that I want to help as many of my friends and family achieve financial independence such that they will no longer have to 
spend their time making money and that they can do more altruistic things. Um, Absolutely. You know, whatever, whatever that is for them, you know, and that, you know, in, indirectly makes the world a, a better, happier place. All right. So multifamily has been one of the hottest asset classes for about 10 years now. How are you adjusting to the way that the multifamily market is today, if at all? We're just making sure that we're continuing to just not stretch, right? There's no reason to stretch if you keep to the point. And that's usually where you can get in trouble is when you take that one step out of bounds just because you you think it could be okay. We're just making sure we're staying our bounds, you know, having reserves, having long-term debt, having properties that don't have something of an anomaly that we have to focus on and that have a potential reach for a potential seller going down the road. Gotcha. So Got Jason Peely Project it. is uh, just really helping people improve their mental fortitude, grow their wealth, and really improve their health. And within that, we do a daily live show during the weekdays called Second Cup of Coffee, which we focus on today's topics. We really focus on things that usually are some hinge point or something holding people back. And it's usually a five, 10 minute show. We'll jump in there live. Sometimes our bulldogs will join us. Sometimes our children. (laughs) It's about life. You know, it's, it's live. So you get what comes with it. Right. And that's Part of the thing, okay, I just start a live show and what comes, what comes. And that's like a lot about life. You go out there and try just because we don't know how it's going to go. And some days things break and we still push forward. But the Jason Peele project has been a ton of fun. We we um, transitioned from a real estate podcast only that we started with because we just we were covering so much, just like you guys are talking about so many different aspects of life. We wanted to bring that into the podcast. Mm-hmm. So within the Jason Peely Project, we have Mothers of Multifamily. We, I also do a live show every Thursday with some uh, cohorts of mine, other mamas in real estate. It's called Moms of Real Estate More. Uh, that's every Thursday. It goes live on YouTube and Facebook. And we're also launching another uh, show coming up for uh, Fit Rich Life. We are. Awesome. Gotcha. So you have a new book out called How to Master a Fit Rich Life in 15 Days. Talk to us a little bit about the, about your book. Sure. Well, you gave a great lead in just talking about really finding chunkable, chunk actionable items, right? So it's how do we crush our self-learning beliefs, create our own comeback story and take action. And usually it's one of these pieces here where it's not having the plan and not really focusing on what we want and not taking that first step that leaves us really regretting it, right? And so like not looking back 30 years from now and saying, oh, I wish I tried that. Whereas, okay, if we can just put our focus points, pivot and accelerate, that's really just a point of life right there. Take those three steps, you can move forward. And so we do this, it doesn't have to take a lot. And so many times we say, oh, I want to write a book. So, you know, tomorrow I'm going to take 15 hours and write a book. Well, that never happens, right? But if you just chunk it off and within the last couple of months, you know, Peel, you would write, you know, two pages, I'd write two pages, we'd go back and forth, you get a book done. And we said, well, that's part of everything else we've done, right? So you don't just go out there and buy a 94 unit building, you figure out the steps and figure out how do you chunk and take that first step. Because once you can take that first step, understand that first step, well, then now you know where that second step is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you take that first step, that's going to lead you to all the other clues to get there. So we said, you can do this in 15 days, you can really master a fit rich life, take action by doing small thing each day, just change your focus, change your pattern and push forward. And this is our journey. People have been, been asking us, so how did you how did you get where you're getting or you've gotten to? It's all in this book now. We, we realized by making this book, publishing this book, we were able to show people and have people read our lives. We have actual steps. We have our stories in here. And we have exactly the way we do our daily practices, the way we have our mindset sets and it's all in this book. Awesome. So I have to ask, you have three kids and two bulldogs. 
how do you manage to do it all aside from, from, <laughs> I'm sure they don't do it all, but second, how do you, you answered it, right? We, we don't because so many times you want to have balance, but there's never a perfect balance. Some days we have to focus on work. Some days we, we have to focus. The kids always come first. So they're always going to be, they're always going to be taken care of. We were lucky enough. We had a babysitter come over for the afternoon. She's giving the kids full attention, right? So we're always putting the kids in the focus and then everything else falls together. And some days it's getting up earlier. You know, I get up at 4 32 AM. I sometimes I have to get that to get my spacing and my workout in. If I got it up at nine o'clock, I'm not getting my workout in. And that's going to not create a happy Jason, which doesn't work for everything else out. So for that, same thing with Peely. We find our focus and at times Peely may need her time and we just work with it to, to create uneven balance that needs to be done to create the best result. The best thing that I can, the best advice I can say is to communicate with your significant other, communicate with the partners that you have in your life, whether it's your your husband, your wife, your significant other, your parents, whoever it is that you have helping you with your family, communicate with them. So that's the key between Jason and I. If I do need some time, for instance, today I woke up, I had a stiff neck. I didn't get up at four, between four and five, like I used usually do to get my work in, out in, woke up with the kids, basically got downstairs somehow with them, <laughs> my neck broken, fed them breakfast, did yoga with them, but I had to make that conscious decision. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get out of bed because I need to, I, my body needs to rest. I am going to do some slow yoga with them because my body needs to move. And our, our usual sitter called out this morning. So I was like, I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to go lay down in bed because I need to be with the children. So it's times like that where Jason, and I already know if it needs to happen, we do this. He goes business and I go family. That's just a conversation that we had prior to everything happening prior to COVID, prior to the mm -hmm. pandemic, prior to anything and everything. That's one of the first conversations we had as a family. If anything should happen, we would just do that. And then we'll mesh it back together. It's not that Jason doesn't help me with the family or I don't help him with those businesses during the time, but we know whose responsibility is what. So again, find that seat in the bus, especially mm -hmm. in your most, I guess, strategic, most closest, most, the best relationships you have need to have the best communication. Yeah. We have kind of a same split of, I tend to do more of the kid stuff. I homeschool with Holden and, and that kind of thing. And then Neil really works mostly on the business. And then I join him for the podcast and do whatever right. I can to support. Exactly. And just a, just a note, this is, has nothing to do with the mom, the dad, the no. woman, the husband. <laughs> this is just the decision that we made. We've mm -hmm. talked to multiple couples who are the exact opposite decision. Like yeah. the man goes family and the woman goes business. So it's just, it's the decision that you have to make in the beginning of, if you have, okay, put it this way. If you haven't had this conversation with your significant other after this podcast, turn all of the times off and have the discussion. <laughs> yeah. Now it makes it also, cause you don't want to, um, you know, feel bitter or frustrated and, and, you know, we still have to reevaluate sometimes and say, okay, this isn't yes. working. And, and sometimes that's on a dime, you know, stuff right now for us, it's hard COVID we're not living in, in a house that is actually like fully our house, which is fine. It's, it's, it's a good thing in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it's tough. 
you know, we can't see a lot of people. And so, you know, sometimes if I'm struggling, I have to say to Neil, like, I need, I, I need a minute. I, I need you to take over in this space for me because I'm really struggling. And, and then sometimes he says, I really have to get this done. And, and I, I do what I can. Sometimes that means that it's a movie day. <laughs> but the thing is you had that conversation. Yes, exactly. You had that so. conversation you asked and now you know where both of you stand. And it's, I think it's good, you know, it's obviously good to check in. We don't have any sort of a set, hey, we have to check in this week and find out how we're doing. No, but, but, you know, yeah. we're pretty, she's we're pretty, pretty good at she's, communicating. She's pretty demonstrative when oh, she's pissed at me. <laughs> well, Peely and Jason, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If any of our listeners would like to find out more about you, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Sure. So you can go over and get the book at fitrichlife.com backslash book, and then go over and find our company, yerusiholdings.com. Those be the best two places. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Have a great one. You too, guys. Thank right. you. Okay. That was Jason and Peely Yerusi from the Jason and Peely Project. You can also find them on YouTube at uh, Second Cup of Coffee. Highly recommend you guys uh, give that a watch. It, it's a great jolt to your day. I think it's a really it's a really wonderful uh, thing they're doing. It's not uh, strictly real estate related. It's just sort of mindset and fitness, and I, I highly recommend it. So, did you have a key lesson learned from that one? I mean, it's kind of hard to choose. There were a lot of great yes, little tidbits there. I think one of the interesting things that uh, Jason talked about was when we asked about mistakes. Or, you know, failures that, you know, obviously he said that there weren't any that he thinks he necessarily could have avoided or, you know, that the failures were important, but that it was important to know how to go about sort of mitigating things that were happening. Um, he really talked about some outside things that weren't actually their fault, but how they had to think outside the box to then fix those problems. And that helps them to also deal with issues later on, whether it was the same issue or not, but just sort of practicing that skill of problem solving. Yeah. For me, you, you stole my, you stole my lesson learned by the way. So now I have to well, come I, up with on, on the fly. <laughs> it's all good. You know, this is something, you know, we harp on all the time, which is don't sit around waiting to know everything, get started, make mistakes have those failures, find a way to get started with something small. Don't like, you know, you're staring up at this big mountain, you know, uh, Jason talked about climbing, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, you didn't wake up one day and decide to climb that mountain. You went and walked for five minutes, you know, do something that is going to move you towards the goal, but is not so scary that your brain is going to tell you to stay on the couch. Yeah. I think it's also important, you know, the distinction between for us, a lot of times we talk about that first step being something, a smaller prod project in general with like real estate. But he did say a couple of times, if you want that bigger one, then you need to, if you're not going to do something smaller first, if you want to go straight into that 94 unit for whatever reason, you need to chunk out the process of doing that. So you're not just going to go buy it, figure out what the steps to buying it are, and then start at the beginning and at the, those, you know, those small steps, because, you know, some people might go, well, I'll climb these other mountains first. And I mean, yeah, that's probably what you're going to do anyway. But if you are going to jump into that one big mountain, you still need to chunk it up into speak into pieces. 
Well, I don't, and I, and I would caution you don't get so caught up in feeling like you need to know every step along the way in order to start. Mm, just uh, that first. Yep. The first steps. Uh, there's a book on writing called bird by bird, which is, you know, which is sort of what Jason and Peely talked about with writing their book is they just sat down. They didn't try and write it in a week. They sat down, you know, every day and they started, they wrote two pages, you know, each, and then, you know, came back and, and, you know, that's how you do almost any big project. You've got to break it down into smaller chunks and just do small little daily actions that move you closer and closer to the goal. Yeah. It sounds really obvious, but I think sometimes in, uh, practice, we, we don't actually do it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we don't sit down and think about it. We just sort of like hop in. And I think part of it is being intentional about those steps so that you really are starting at the right one. How did they acquire their knowledge? Mentorship. They sort of brushed over this, but uh, I know Jason paid for a mentor as far as uh, multifamily syndication. Uh, and then they had even further back, they had local mentors uh, that taught them how to flip and things like that. They mentioned them, you know, when their mentor sort of criticized them for not phoning them about their deal. So. Yeah. Money. Do you want to talk about that first? First, we talked about a couple. We talked about mm-hmm. like the duplex. Yep. Um, so that one, I, I'm now realizing I have 25 K written down. I don't know if that was per side. That was, uh, that was the purchase price. He said they were all in for about 45,000. Okay. And that was the whole thing, not per side. And that was the whole, the whole duplex. Crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. It was, of course that was, that was back in the, the heyday Ah, way back when. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, um, fast forward mm-hmm. to 2017, we've got that 94 unit. Yep. They bought that for 2.3 million. Um, and they, they raised, uh, they syndicated that deal. So I'm sure they brought some money to that deal of their own. I'm sure there was some expenses as far as, um, things like that, but it's usually, you know, that's one of the powers of syndication is you're able to, to get in, into a larger deal than you might be able to. Um, mm-hmm. with other people's money. They're a busy couple. Yeah. <laughs> they're they do high, a lot. <laughs> they do. They're high, they're high energy. Uh, it helps, it helps being fit. If anybody, you know, watched on video, uh, you can tell that they're, they both have uh, negative body fat. I think, um, <laughs> almost they're both very fit. Fitness is a big part of their life, obviously. And I'm sure that helps. I would it's say a full-time job. it's a full-time job. They, yeah, I mean, they have a full-time job with their company in general. Yeah. 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 You do this strategy from anywhere in the world. Uh, I would say, yes, I know syndication is, um, I, they, they live in New Jersey and they invest in the South in Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Kentucky and things like that. So, yeah. uh, it is, it is a long distance thing because you are with syndication, you're building, you're putting together a team, mm-hmm. uh, that helps to manage the asset. You're not, you don't need to be boots on the ground. Um, it helps. And they, they talked about, I don't know if sure if they talked about it on the show or if we talked about this offline, they're uh, pretty soon they're going to be moving closer to their assets. So, okay. Once again, that was Jason and Peely Yerusi from Yerusi Holdings. All of the, the links and things that we discussed will be in the show notes. We're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review and do let us know why you like the show how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, 
If you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels on your road to financial freedom.